Good to be here with you. It's great. My wife and I, Morgan, were here, um, I guess it was almost eight years ago or when you were, I forget where you were, but <laughs> not here. Um, it wasn't exactly like Rich said it was. Um, we, we were just coming back from uh, the mission field out in Russia, and my wife was pregnant with our twins at that time, and we were just, Lord, what, what are we supposed to do? And so it was a pretty confusing time, um, and it wasn't so much Portsmouth or Bemidji. Actually, I didn't know about Bemidji. Uh, I mean, I knew about it as a town, but as far as a ministry, it, except that Rich gave me a list of Calvary Chapel. It was a list that people were asking for a Calvary Chapel to be planted. So you're responsible, actually. You mean if I didn't give you that list, you'd still be here? I'd be here, yep. I would have been been your janitor in your new building here. So anyway, uh, that was actually the original list that I, I just saw. What? There's Calvary Chapel? I didn't even know that Calvary Chapel had spread to Minnesota. And, um, and then we just started emailing with those people, and they were nicer than Rich. So, <laughs> no. Actually, Rich was very encouraging, very encouraging. It was a blessing to uh, just come back. It was a confusing time, you know, re-entry into America, and uh, you were a blessing. So, well, let's, uh, if you would turn to Second Peter, that's where we're going to be. Second Peter, chapter 1. This is something we're going to look at this morning that I've kind of wrestled with, and maybe, maybe you've wrestled with it as a, as a Christian, as a believer. There's an issue here that maybe sometimes you've thought about. And I'd like to start with, with an illustration, something that we as a family like to do. And I noticed at least one person here likes to do, and that is bike riding. Whose bike is down in the basement? Right? Okay, so you biked into church today? All right. I do that too in Bemidji. I got about a seven-mile bike from our house, and we have a nice trail. Think about bike riding. Maybe Steve's the only one that uses a bike here, but I bet some of the rest of you bike, right? Uh, Our whole family, we live right on a state bike trail, so we love to bike. And uh, bike riding is great, it's good exercise, uh, but it it's definitely takes a little bit of effort, right? I mean, you actually have to use your body, <laughs> and, and you have to first decide, well, I'm, I think I'm going to do this. This is the way I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to pedal instead of just turn the key. So uh, as I thought about bike riding and what it takes it really, to me, seemed to fit this passage in 2 Peter because I think there is an aspect, and I I guess I'm using it as an illustration. If you don't think it fits, you know, maybe there's a better illustration. But I think it fits the spiritual concept here. Uh, I believe, just to take this spiritually, that God gives us, he gives us the bicycle to ride through this life as Christians. He gives us the bike. He gives us the body. He gives us everything to be able to go on the ride with Jesus through this life. But 
there is an aspect where he says, okay, I, I'm, I gave you everything. I gave you a beautiful bike. That bike downstairs, by the way, is a, a nice one. But uh, he gives us all of these spiritual blessings and the strength, but he, but he says, pedal, pedal now. And I think that's what he's getting at. First of all, just, just to point out here in chapter 1, verse 2, he touches on what he's given us, like the nice bicycle and the healthy bodies. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I think those couple of verses are, are, are just touching on, man, God has blessed us. When you come to Jesus, you come to faith in him, you recognize he's your savior, he's your Lord, you, you realize he's done all of the work. And, and he sets you on the bike path with a brand new bike and he heals us so that we can actually get on the bike and pedal. I'm just talking spiritually here just to take that illustration. So I, I think those couple of verses uh, touch on that. But as we go into verse 5, and this is really what I had on my heart for this morning, it's this issue that sometimes is hard to understand as Christians. Wait a minute. I thought I'd just sit back in a lazy chair with wheels once I come to Jesus and I just go flying down the path. I'm sitting in a lazy chair. I don't have to pedal. And that's a lot of times what we think. And there are some... There is some truth to that because he, he says here, it's his precious promises. He gives us everything, but it's not quite accurate. When we're looking at the rest of these verses, starting with verse 5, it's not a lazy chair with wheels on it, a lazy boy. It's, it's, a, it's a bicycle. Look at what he says here in verse 5. But also for this very reason, for the reasons we just read, all that God has done, all that God has given to us, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Now that's our part. He seems to be pretty clear here. Seems to be implying that, again, back to the bicycle, we have a part to get on and start pedaling. Even though it's, it's his power, it's, he's given us these bodies, he's, he gives us the strength, he even gives us the food to eat in order to have the strength to spiritually pedal. But still, he, he says here, for this reason, giving all diligence add to so, so I would say that's our part. By the way, giving all diligence, that, that's used all over the New Testament. To be diligent. You know, and sometimes we don't like that. Again, we, we like the kickback. I'm just going to kick back in the grace of Jesus, which is really awesome, and you need to do that. You know, we can't just, just try to pedal without resting in the grace of Jesus. He finished the work. But, but I guess I'm touching on something that I've wrestled with, and that is just this issue of, well, 
I need to be willing. I need to be willing to go along, to let Jesus work in me. And, and there is an aspect of, of diligence, of, of putting myself out there, and even, I'd say, of effort. And we're not talking works here to be good with God. But think about this, maybe for your own personal life or people that you know, people that are strong in Jesus, people that are really walking with him, they don't just kick back. You know, the people I know, the, the spiritual leaders that, that have been a blessing to me, I, I look at them, they're not just, you know, sitting back. They, they have given themselves and there is a discipline. There, there's just a lot of aspects. So we have our part. It's all based on what God has done, but we do have our part. I'd like to read this, uh, this verse, verse 5. I'd like to read in a, in a couple of other translations just to give you a, a few other ideas from verse 5. The Phillips translation says, for this very reason, you must do your utmost from your side. The New Living Translation says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of, and then it goes on with this list, verses 5 through 7. So uh, I, I think that's an aspect. Another commentator speaking about verse 5 said, as you have obtained faith in Christ and stand in it, now apply yourself diligently to advance. You know, sometimes we don't like to talk about determination and discipline when we're talking about following Jesus Christ. But so, someone just mentioned uh, the battle we're in. And we're really in a battle, spiritual battle. And it, it literally is a war zone. We, we are in war, and so when you're in war, it doesn't cut it to sit back in a comfortable chair. And, and so I think that's the aspect that Peter is hitting on. So verses 5 through 7 lists seven things that we're told to be diligent, to add to, to grow in. That's what we're talking about, to grow, grow as Christians. And, and just to quickly look at these, these seven things, the first one in verse 5, add to your faith virtue. It's interesting if you look at the definition of that word. One of the, one of the definitions, Greek definitions of that word virtue is manliness. Just to kind of give you the idea of, of what they're hitting on. They're hitting on valor, spiritual valor, spiritual courage. Another definition would be an active faith. That's what it's talking about with this word virtue. And so with all that Jesus has done, when we come to him and wow, he paid the price, there's nothing I could add to that. But he's saying now, now that you've been born again, now that your sins have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, by your faith in him as the one and only, he says now grow, grow in godly, you know, in, in this, I shouldn't say manliness because it's for men and women, but just in this valor, this courage, you're, you're trusting in him. And now because you're trusting in him, you're willing to, to go down the path no matter what. And then he says, add to that knowledge. 
knowledge, and I, I would say this word is, is not just stuffing stuff in your head. This is adding to that knowledge, which is an experiential relationship with God. That's what he's talking about with this knowledge. It's, it's an ex, experiential knowledge of walking with Jesus. So you're just adding more of a track record, walking with Jesus day by day. And then the next one, self-control. Self-control. None of us has that on our own. I know I don't. We don't, we don't just say, okay, I'm in control of my struggles. I think a good definition of self-control is under God's control. You just put yourself under God's control. That's what self-control is. And, you know, we know it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to the New Testament. So it's, it's, it's a surrender to the Holy Spirit. But it's just a consciousness, even a moment-by-moment moment decision to say, I'm under your control, God, so I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to respond to your power that you're giving me right now to be self-controlled, no matter what. The next one, perseverance. I think a simple definition of that is just don't give in. Spiritually, sometimes you feel like quitting. Sometimes you feel like, man, it's just, I just can't do this. There's too many temptations. There's too many pressures in this world. How can we do it? And he's saying here, when you come to Jesus, one of the things to keep growing in is just realize, man, he's done everything for you. He's going to take you through. He's going to build you into a strong soldier. He's able to do that. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on the walk with Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it. Absolutely worth it. And the next one, there in verse 7, or end of verse 6, godliness. So we're to grow in godliness. Uh, a lot of times we think, okay, that just means uh, holier than thou. But, but think of this. Godliness includes with it a reverence for God. That's what really makes us more like God is, is we just reverence him and love him so much that we don't want to do anything else that would be like against God's character. We, we, we have a reverence for him. It would be like a devotion. The idea of I'm so devoted to him that I, I just become more like him instead of fleshing out. That's, that's godliness. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.8, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Godliness, it's, it's something we all should be growing in. You know, not something to say, ah, yeah, that's for people like Pastor Rich. You know, it's his responsibility to be godly. The rest of us, we can kind of slough, kick back. You are godly, by the way, Rich. Every time I've seen you once a year, you've, you've seen godly. But am I growing in godliness? That's a very good question. Am I growing in my devotion to Jesus? That's really a related question because the more I'm devoted to him, the more his character is going to shine in the way that I live, in the decisions that I make. The last couple of things here, verse 7, kind of shifts from, from character issues, from spiritual 
fruit issues in us to, wow, what, what am I extending to people? The two kinds of love here in verse 7. There's the brotherly kindness, the word Philadelphia, that Philadelphia love, okay? So that, that's, I would say, kind of a practical care for others, kind of a hands-on uh, family love, you could say, okay? Philadelphia love, brotherly kindness. We're to grow in that. We're to grow in practical care for each other, for people around us, family, neighbors, co-workers, whatever, people we go to school with. We're to grow in that. And we can, by the way. Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the key to all of this. The next one that's closely related, and you guys all know, this is agape love. This is the last one that he's talking about that we should grow in. Love, agape love, desiring the highest good for others. So that, that's what that, that, that high level of love is. It's, it, it's, it's not selfish. It's a love for others around you that you choose to say, I want what's best for you above my own desires, above my own needs. Are we growing in that? Well, we're, we're told here that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be growing in, in all seven of these because he says, be diligent to add these things. And then he goes on in verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, so not just little tiny droplets of these seven things, we're told to keep increasing and abounding in them so that really there's not an end to growth. For any of us, even Pastor Rich has little areas where he could grow probably. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're told to just keep going on the bicycle path, keep pedaling, keep pedaling in my spiritual growth. And, and so there's not really an end to this bike path. And it's a, it's a great bike path of life when you're going with Jesus. But he just says, don't quit pedaling. Don't quit growing. Don't quit becoming more and more like me. And so we, have, we are here this morning just to be challenged. I'm challenged by this. Am I? Am I growing? Am I growing compared to where I was last year? At this exact day last year, what does Jesus say my growth pattern was? Have I gone backwards? Have I gone in the other direction? Have I grown? He cares about that. Lovingly, he does care about that. And he wants us to grow. And, and I think a good question, you could go through this list, verses 5 through 7, and say, well, which one am I lacking? Which one? Which areas am I slow growth or no growth at all? Maybe we could ask that, or, or which clump of ones, you know? Which ones? That's a good thing to just let the Lord evaluate in our lives. Now, the results are pretty important here. And this is, this is all that we're, we're going to look at as we kind of wrap up this thought. Verses 8 through 11, I think, are kind of talking about the results or 
or what should be the results of growing, of adding to the grace that we have through Jesus Christ. So we just read verse 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says we should have a fruitful knowledge. That, that should be part of your growth pattern as you go forward down the bike trail, this knowledge of knowing God, of knowing Jesus Christ, should be a fruitful kind of thing. The, this illustration is used all over the New Testament. This idea of growing fruit, of a harvest. But as, as Christians, this is a powerful illustration. And this, this word here in verse 8 where it's, he says, you won't be barren. You won't be barren. That's actually used for a farmer's land that is left vacant for the year. And, and nothing is done with it. So nothing was planted. Nothing's going to grow except maybe some weeds. So if we're growing and have this kind of fruitful knowledge, you're not going to be a farmland that's just left, just sitting there and getting dry and cracked. Okay? And you're not going to be unfruitful. So you're going to be growing the spiritual fruit. You can go to Galatians and and obviously there's the fruit of the Spirit. But I think you could expand that list. There's quite a bit more. Just serving. Serving the Lord. Growing. In, in, in walking with Jesus. And what ministry does he want to, to use? He's got unique individuals. Every single one of us has a, has a fruitful aspect of ministry. That he wants us to grow in through his power. Through his strength. So... Fruitful knowledge, that would be one result. One thing you could look at as, as a result of growing in these things. Verse 9, for he who lacks these things, this kind of puts it in a warning tone. For, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Wow, that seems kind of weird. How could that happen? How can you be forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ but then live in such a way that you actually forget that you were washed, that you were bought at a price, the blood of Jesus. That, that's something going on that's pretty tragic. For Christians to, to be in that kind of circling kind of, uh, what do you call it? You're going around a circle and you're not going anywhere? Yeah, holding pattern. Spiral. So you're, you're, you're somehow then forgetting the beautiful salvation. And, and that's tragic. Maybe you, you'd be sitting here and you're, you'd say, well, I'm not quite there, but maybe it's getting kind of misty, cloudy, and you're not seeing. You know, this, this word for short-sighted, uh, we get myopia. And some of us, were, you know, as, as we get older, uh, our eyes, I, I know I'm, I'm, I have large print, by the way, just to admit that. I bought this a year ago at the pastor's conference. I went to, whatever, it's king size print or something. It's like an inch big, so I didn't have to get glasses, just so I wouldn't look old. But we, we get this problem of, of short-sightedness or blindness, actually, spiritually, if we're not growing, 
if we're not advancing, if I'm not being diligent to pedal the bike, the spiritual bike. So verse 9 is a, a pretty heavy warning. If you lack the seven things that are listed in verses 5 through 7, if you're not doing anything to grow spiritually, warning, warning, there's, there's blinders that, that can be covering your eyes and it can be very dangerous. And by the way, if you, if you look on through 2 Peter, I mean, one of the huge themes when you get to the next chapter is it, it's a warning and a description of false teachers and how fleshy they are and how they're, they're swaying believers and they're, they're, they're uh, deceiving people. And so the context of the letter, you know, he, he's giving the positive in chapter 1. Believers, hey, grow. Because chapter 2, here's, here's the bad stuff that's all around you. And you can get swept away if you're not careful, especially if you're not pedaling your bike and growing and, and being strengthened. It can be a very dangerous situation. So good vision would be another result, I think you could say from verse 9, of spiritual growth. You're, you're going to have spiritual vision to stay on the track. Sometimes when I'm biking, you know, there's a tree branch that's blown down onto the path, whatever. I, where we live, we have, we have lots of white-tailed deer. Uh, I, I've actually had deer, you know, hop out in front of me. So you, you got to be careful. You either hit the brakes. If I'm not looking, you know, you're gonna, you, it's not going to feel good to hit a deer, all right, on a bike. It doesn't feel good on a car. It's happened to us too. But that's good vision, verse 9, and the warning is that blindness can come in. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this brings up a whole issue that... Uh, People argue about verses 10 and 11 can bring up this topic of eternal security. You know, once saved, are you always saved? Can you lose your salvation? And I'm not here to uh, answer that question necessarily. But I think what this passage does bring up is that if you are growing, if you are peddling and, and just letting Jesus do what he wants to do, and, and spiritual character is, is growing in you because you're letting Jesus do what he wants to do. You're giving yourself to the word of God. You're letting him feed you. Not, not, not just when we gather, but it's, it's, a, it's a personal life, lifestyle to be in the word. And, and just to talk to Jesus all the time and, and, and to serve him. You know, if, if we're doing those things, then we are going to be sure. I mean, the scripture is clear about that. In fact, 1 John 5.13, you guys, I think, know this verse. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I mean, you're meant to know that you're saved, that you're washed in the blood of Jesus and that you're not wondering, am I going to make it there? When that day comes, am I, I going to go to heaven? Well, a born-again believer should not be 
trembling and wondering, am I going to burn in hell because of my sin? If you have given your life over to Jesus Christ and received the gift of salvation, you're not meant to wonder every day you wake up, am I going to make it? Because it's not based on you. It's based on your faith in Jesus Christ. But there are warnings for, for, for believers that are just messing around and they could care less. I mean, I think there's built-in warnings in Scripture. You can go to Hebrews. There's a couple of tough passages there. There's, there, there's a few tough passages that seem to imply just don't mess around. If you could care less, there's a problem. There's a problem, and I don't think you're meant to feel good about that. Whether or not, you know, God knows. But I think for believers that are peddling and growing, you are going to be sure, and Romans 8 is just going to be a blessing, uh, a confident blessing. You know, nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. I think the more we grow, just, just on a practical level as, as humans, you know, the more we grow, the more we're just going to be swimming in the grace of Jesus. And just, wow, praise the Lord. Such a blessing. He did it all, and he's going to hold me. But the more you play around, and the more you slide away from Jesus, I mean, the more, I think just the more doubts we're going to start wondering, and I think that's, that's a good thing. You know? It's a good thing. Jesus wants us to walk and pedal close with him and to keep growing. So spiritual growth is important, and I think spiritual growth, growth does give us assurance in this eternal security issue. And I think spiritual growth also gives us protection. Like I said, the theme of this book is hitting on false teachers. I think it gives us protection also from false stuff and from getting deceived and knocked off track. We need to be growing individually and personally. I like what William MacDonald said about this passage of Scripture. He wrote a great commentary. He said this, There is either advance or decline in the pathway of discipleship. No standing still. There is strength and security in moving forward. There is danger and failure in retreat. You know, when you're riding a bike, generally speaking, if you stop pedaling, you're going to come to a stop. And then generally speaking, I mean, you're going to fall over. Obviously, you can put your feet down. But then you're no longer biking. Okay? So the idea is, if you stop on a bike, you know, you, you, you're no longer biking. All right? And, and especially for little kids just learning how to ride their bikes, they fall over. And some of us do too, you know? We need to keep pedaling or we're going to fall over. And that, that you know, I, I think is a spiritual concept that uh, to me makes sense, to me helps to understand this balance between grace and sitting in a lazy boy in the grace of Jesus. And that, that is, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the truth. But then you have on the other side, get on the bike and pedal and let him grow you. Let him mature you. So one last question. Are you eager to grow? Are you sitting here this morning 
and between you and Jesus, no matter what, how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter if, if you think you're at the end of life, it doesn't matter. He's not done with you. And nobody has arrived as far as spiritual growth. Nobody. Are you willing, are you eager to grow back to because it's out of a devotion for Jesus Christ? And just keep falling in love with Jesus Christ and you will be willing to keep growing, to keep growing. So have you grown in the last year? Are you growing? Are you in a growth spurt right now? My kids are in a constant growth spurt, just shoveling food into them and just... <laughs> It's crazy. That's why we come out here to visit for a while so the in-laws can feed them and pay those food bills. That's really cool. But we should be in a spiritual growth spurt all the time. We should be. And, and, and it's all through Jesus. You know, some of you might be sitting here and you could be thinking, I got so many hang-ups, I, I really can't grow like some of the others here. And you know what? That, that's just deception from Satan himself. It doesn't matter what hang-up you have. It doesn't matter how you grew up or what happened to you. The power of Jesus Christ can take any person, and he wants to, and he will, and get you on that bike and pedal you forward. And all of these traits that are listed in verses 5 through 7 can be abounding in all of us. It's not, and it is, again, it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on Jesus. So every person here has a potential to be godly, to have self-control, to be loving, you know, to, to just to have perseverance. All of these things that are listed, it's possible because of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So never think, well, I can't quite get over this hang-up. Well, just let Jesus get you over the hang-up. Jesus has no hang-ups, so he can take every person through, no matter, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. So it, it's a beautiful thing. You just need to be willing. I need to be willing. So praise the Lord for that. Let, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I, I just want to come to you, and we come to you together as a body. And... Lord, we're all in different places. Lord, we've all probably got secret little things that, that we know are trash heaps in our spiritual lives. Our, our danger zones, maybe. Places that you want us to grow in, maybe we've, we've kind of just shut the door. But Lord, we're here this morning and, and I want to receive the challenge from your, your living word to let you propel me down the bike trail. Lord, show us what it means in each of our personal lives, what it means to be diligent to add to our faith. And so, Lord, lead us. I, I pray for the strength of your Holy Spirit upon each believer here. And just continue to work in us, Lord. And thank you that you are always willing 
and gracious and patient. Thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, we hope this time next year we're in a much different place. We look forward to that, and we just say together, we want that. We're going to let you do that. Praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.